So we are gathered here today to celebrate, and we do that every Sunday because we celebrate a resurrected, risen Savior. And every Sunday is a family reunion of people that have been out into the world all week and picked up sometimes trouble and trial and, and burdens and dysfunction. We come back together so we can share the good news of the gospel. That's, that's why we do this. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I'm celebrating two milestones within a week. Uh, this week, we are celebrating the 20th anniversary of us being pastors of this church. My daughter's birthday is October the 12th. She will be 29, but on that day, 25 years ago, my wife and I and her got baptized in the New River in Glenlin, Virginia. So it was 25 years ago that I got baptized. It was within two months of that time that I preached my first sermon. And I'm going to tell you that you do not get into ministry to build big churches. I'm sure there's outliers. There's people that do. that. That's Maybe they grew up under a minister. Maybe they grew up in a pastor's home, and that's their ambition. But I'm going to tell you that when you first start preaching the gospel, that's all you care about. You want to help people find God. You want to put people in the position to reach their maximum capacity and, and have faith and, and, and to grow in God, you have found something and you want to tell somebody about it. And when the call of God gets placed on your life, it's supernatural, it's overwhelming. You're all called to witness. You're all called to carry the good news. But when you actually have a calling to preach on your life, it's a supernatural enablement that gives you the ability to hear from God, present Him to people, and then in turn go to God on behalf of people and do something that is supernatural. And not just anybody can do that. Anybody can preach a sermon, but not everybody can give a message from heaven. And I'm honored to know this morning's uh, pastor, bishop. He's a friend of mine. He's not just a pastor of the West Logan Church. Uh, him and his better half, much, much better half, much smarter, much, much more intelligent better half is here. And... He's a good friend of mine, and over the years, God has put us on youth boards together, and now we serve on state council together, and uh, we've been given the opportunity to uh, speak at the same uh, camp meeting this past year, and I'm thankful that they're here this morning. I appreciate this man of God and her. Give a great big welcome this morning, if you would, to Pastor Scotty Dingus. tell you what, man, they, they brought me in for the 20 years, so that's a big deal, okay? I'm just I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm not that arrogant, okay? Um, I, do, I do appreciate this lovely couple. I have watched him over the years. I can remember when me and Albert didn't know each other, and I, he would have his big suit on at camp meeting, T.D. Jake style, big towel style, get ready, get ready, get ready. You know, we have fun. We talked about this stuff. I, I, I did the same thing, okay? So I'm not giving him a hard time over something I haven't done. Uh, we have absolutely, uh, me and Kristen has just been blessed to get to know your pastors. And I know that you honor them and you love them, but can you give them the best? I mean, the absolutely best. Yeah, there you go. Woo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to your feet. Go to your feet. Let them know. 
Yes. <laughs> you guys are fun. I love it. You know, definitely honored them today. Kristen and I had just been looking forward to coming up, spending time with them. And uh, we got to eat last night some Italian food. They fed us well. And uh, we, we are just blessed. But I tell you what, you have one of the best preaching pastors I know. So me getting up here today is like, man, you know, I, I, I wanted to procrastinate this even further. I said, I got to get up and preach in his pulpit. And uh, I'm like, man, that's, that's going to be tough. And uh, him and uh, his wife are special gifts, and she's such a great anointed worship leader as well. And, you know, they have a great anointing upon their life. You, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. And not only that, but they bring such joy to our state in so many realms and ways. We have a good time. We have fun. If there's anybody I know that I can cut up with, it doesn't matter the level we go of stupidity, I can do that with your pastor. All right? There's not many people. Most people just look at me after a while. But if I can send a crazy text to somebody, it's to him. And uh, I said, that's what we do. And that was happening this week during a meeting. We was bored, a little bit bored. I shouldn't say that. I hope, I hope some people's not watching live stream today, but it's so, you know what? It's okay. Truth's truth. But so good to be up here, and um, it's so good to have, of course, my wife and uh, Ethan with me today. And uh, absolutely, they don't always get to travel with me, so I like it that they get to travel with me today. But I can't say enough about your pastors and also the work that's been done coming in this building. I was amazed when I pulled onto the lot today. Excellence everywhere, from the lot to the building to walking in, the atmosphere. You felt freedom and the presence of God everywhere. I commend you as a congregation getting behind them, working and giving and doing all that you do. Thankful for that as well. And then I cannot go without mentioning Dave and Cindy, Steph and Ashley here. My heavens, that's, going, that's throwback, right? That's a throwback. I mean, we're looking at... 16, 17 years ago, I met you guys. So, and uh, I was on staff at their home church back in Oceana for six, seven months, and then we went to pastor. But, you know, listen, such good times, good times. But I want to preach to you today. I better get into this. I'm not very good at greeting. This is, this, I got one more thing for you today. How many Stiller fans have we got up in the house today? All right, all right. Don't let this kill the spirit, but I'm a Bengals fan. Who day? I'm joking. Okay, I quit. I quit. I quit. <laughs> uh, who day? Who day? Who think they're going to beat those Bengals? No, but I'm joking. Okay. All right. Just love you. I'm a football fan, and I'll go ahead and tell you, I, I root for your Steelers in moments, okay? Depending when the Bengals are not in it, and they're playing against somebody like the Cowboys or something, I'm like, go, go Big Ben. Go Big Ben. All right? So I want to preach to you today on the spirit of frustration, Okay? The spirit of frustration. Has anybody ever been frustrated before? Amen? All right. Grab your Bibles. Go with me to the book of Ezra, chapter 4. I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. Starting at verse number 1. I don't know what you normally do. If you stand, you stand. If you sit, you sit. You do what you got to do. Every church is different. You do what you want to do today. Ezra 4. Starting at verse number one says this. Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the descendants of the captivity were building the temple of the Lord God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and the heads of the fathers' houses and said to them, 
Let us build with you, for we seek your God as you do. And we had sacrificed to him since the days of Esharhaddon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel and Yeshua and the rest of the heads of the fathers' houses of Israel said to them, You may do nothing with us to build a house for our God. But we alone will build to the Lord God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. Then the people of the land tried to discourage the people of Judah, and they troubled them in building and hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Let's pray. Father. Today, we just ask, God, that you hide me behind your cross. Every word I speak, God, be from your throne. We thank you, God, that today we know that you're going to set free, you're going to deliver, you're going to heal. God, that you're going to bring peace. God, in frustrating moments, God, there's going to be a release in this house today. We thank you, Lord, for the freedom we have in the spirit. We ask you to bless this moment, this time today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. If there's one thing I've come to notice about today is the fact that people are probably at some of the most frustrating moments in their life. I mean, there's just so much going on in our world today. And before these times, people were frustrated, no doubt. But I believe that the enemy releases in moments like this a spirit of frustration, not just to bring frustration to our lives, but to frustrate our purpose. That when we are working towards something, when God has called us in a manner in which he has to do great things in the kingdom, that he would frustrate our purpose. Whether it's our job, whether it's our family, whether it's in the kingdom, whether it's in the ministry, that frustration can take place so easy. And many times we overlook the feelings of frustrations, and we overlook how it destroys marriages and homes and businesses and ministries all together. It's a deadly spirit. Frustration is a deep chronic sense or state of insecurity or dissatisfaction arising from unresolved problems or unfulfilled needs. In our text today, we see that there was people that had just been released out of exile from Babylonian exile, and we find that Zerubbabel, being a governor of the time, is there to lead the people, and he is there called and anointed to build back the temple and get things in order so that the glory of God would fall upon the earth and be with the people of God. And many times, just, just like us, is that God has released us for such a time as, as this to build in the kingdom. He has purposed us. He has anointed us. But the very moment we begin to put our hands to the things that God's called us to, it's just like the devil to show up and begin to frustrate our purpose. But I want to serve notice on the devil today that God is for me. And if he is for me, who can be against me? My God, I'm anointed. I'm called. I've got a purpose in the kingdom. It don't matter what the devil may bring. There's not a devil in hell that can stop the purpose of God for my life. 
So we find that this man that is governing, and Zerubbabel, he was, his name means born in Babylon or scattered to Babylon because he was one of the first that was coming out of exile and he had a purpose to do something for the kingdom. And he represents the moment that we are walking out our faith in God, how many times that the frustration comes the very moment we begin to do something in the kingdom. There's never been something that I've done in the kingdom that was great or something that God had purpose or anointed me to do where frustration did not come. I'm telling you, it didn't matter whether it was in pastoral things whether it was things spiritually with my family, whether it was things within a job that I was working, but when I was doing things right for the kingdom, that's exactly when the enemy would decide to bring frustration to my life. He knows exactly how to frustrate me. And I recognize everything that he brings. When it comes, as soon as I get frustrated, I'm like, man, I'm doing kingdom work. You better believe the devil don't like him. And you better believe he knows exactly how to turn your happy meal into a sad meal really quick. Then you have Yeshua was there. He was the high priest of the temple after exile. His name means deliverance. They are all in this picture. Yeshua, Yeshua represents us walking out our salvation. That as we're walking it out, that our journey can be in moments frustrating because of the attacks of the enemy. But then you have Judah. They was present as well. That means praise. If there's anything that the enemy wants to frustrate in your life is praise. The very moment you get your dance back, the enemy is going to upset the apple cart. The very moment you begin to decree a thing and believe in your heart that what you decree, God will establish upon the earth. You better believe the enemy is going to try to frustrate then you have Benjamin was there. They were there. And, it, and that means the right hand of blessing or the place of blessing or God's right hand or right hand. So in other words, the very moment you get into praise, walking out your fame, and the very moment you begin to put your hands to the purpose of God and you find, start finding your blessing, the enemy's going to do all he can to frustrate those places in your life. So not only is this a place of blessing, but it's a place where the enemy finds opportunity to try to mess it up. He knows he really can't stop what God wants to do. But one thing he wants to do is try to make your walk miserable. So I want to talk to some folks today. You've been walking it out. You've been in your place of you're in your place of blessing now. You you've been praising when it's been hard to praise. You've been walking out this thing when it's not been popular to walk out. But yet you're still yet walking it out today. And the enemy is trying to frustrate that. And we're seeing the scripture that the enemy wants to bring a spirit of frustration to our freedom and our walk with God, our praise and our place of blessing. There's nothing worse than putting your hand to the plow and doing all of this work and still feeling empty on the inside. I don't know about you, but there's been times I put in hours of prayer and study and work and manual labor around the church and you're doing all these things, but yet it seems like you're still feeling empty on the inside. You're praising and it seems like nothing's coming down. You know you're in the place of blessing because the last time you and the Father had a really good conversation, 
He confirmed that place of blessing. So you're like, I know I'm in the right place. I, I know it's the right time. And, and God, I still going to praise you whether I feel you or not. My praise will not stop. My God, at the rising of the sun, I will praise his name. At the going down of the same, I will give glory to my God. Somebody give him praise. Yes. See, the enemy knew there was nothing so hard or so big that he could not stop that the God had planned for the people of God, but he said, I'll just try to frustrate them. It don't look like they're going to give up, but even the enemy said, I'll hire counselors to go down there. Like, I can see the enemy now. You know what? I've been working at this a while, and I'm tired of trying to frustrate them, so I'm going to get some friends over here, and I'm going to pay them just to frustrate them. I'll tell you what, if you do that kind of stuff in the natural, you've got a bored life, right? But the enemy's got, he said, you know, I know my time's coming. He's like, I know that my day's going to end. So while there's time on the earth, I'm going to try to frustrate while they're rebuilding the temple. If the enemy did not want a temple made of hands to be built to host the presence of God, don't you think that this temple that we live in now, that's not mine, but it's God's because I've been bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, that this body's no longer my own. If he tried to frustrate a temple made of hands, don't you think he would try to frustrate and not like a temple that God's spirit is living in today? Listen, I want to serve notice to the devil. We already know you don't like us, but we don't care about that because we know what God's called us to. Y'all's going to preach me to death today. The house of God and the temple of God, they was built and it came at a price as this man was laying down his life just to build the temple, just a New Testament type and shadow that we are to lay our life down for the cause of Christ. I told Kristen the other evening, it was, I believe it was Thursday evening, I looked at her, and I said, you know, there's an easier way to do this thing called ministry. A lot of people just preach and go home. She said, but nothing happens when you preach and go home. I said, I won't go ahead and tell you. I said, while there's day, Oh, come on, somebody. Why there's energy in my body. Why the Spirit of God still dwells. I don't care how hard it gets. I don't care what I've got to face. I'm still yet going to put work in while I've got time. I know there's purpose. I know there's people to be saved. There's lives to be delivered. There's drug addicts that need Jesus. There's prostitutes that need the Holy Ghost. There's people of God today that you just need to go out to the highways and the byways and preach the gospel where you work to your neighbor to your family begin to speak the name of Jesus this man denied emotions he denied his physical body in times that it was tired because there was a greater cost at hand to bring the glory in when you want the glory you will you'll pay a price it'll cost you your time 
It'll cost you your talent. It'll cost you your treasure. It'll cost you even moments of heartache and wounds and, and all those things. But yet, it's not at the price for myself, but it's at the price for the kingdom of God. My heavens, if God could send his only son to give it all up out of heaven, to come to earth who lived a blameless and sinless life that never sinned, but yet gave his life upon the cross, taking on responsibility for your sin and my sin. If he can do that, surely I can lay down my life in this earth for the cause and the purpose of the kingdom of God. I hope today your faith is provoked, no matter how frustrating times are, that God still yet has called you and anointed you. So you know this thing called frustration. It's the relational status that hasn't changed. It's the breakthrough that hasn't came. It's the issue that seems like it never goes away. It is the thorn in the flesh that you say, God, just remove them. And God says, listen, my grace is sufficient even in this. It's the bill that never goes away. It's the crazy child that seems to continue to do what they do. It's the sickness that seems incurable. It's the wall that refuses to come down. It's the unsaved family member. It's the job that's aggravating you. It's the hard work unrecognized. And yes, it's the ministry desire and the dream on the inside of you of like, when is it going to come to pass? You know this thing called frustration. See, it's the spirit that when we are not recognized, when, we, when, when it's not recognized, the spirit of frustration, that it begins to bring a path of destruction to our life. It begins to destroy our mindset, our vision, our dreams, our faith, we got to recognize that we handle frustration differently. Everyone does. But the problem is, is that it can arise in a place when we do not recognize it, that it can become destructive when not handled properly. I want to give you four things of frustration and entryways today. And the first one is this. Hope deferred. When hope deferred is happening, it's frustrating. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick but when the desire comes it's a tree of life that word defer means delay when hope is delay hope is expectation it's in our english language when we say i hope that means 50 50. depending on the moment well i hope i, I hope to be there uh, you know you might as well just tell me you're not coming i know what that means you're not going to be there. Check them off the list, hon. They're not coming. They said, I hope. When the Word of God uses hope, it's 100% fully expecting. So when you are fully expecting something to happen, but yet it's delayed, it's not that your faith's been taken away. You're still fully expecting it to come, but it's been deferred. It's on hold, it seems. It's delayed. The Bible says that the heart gets sick. See, expectation with delay makes the heart sick. This is a picture of the seen future. You see it in the future. You imagine it. You envision it. You pray over it. I mean, you may be envisioning a healing. You may be envisioning a breakthrough. You may be envisioning a new life. You may be envisioning a relationship. You may be envisioning something to take place in your life that you know only God can do. So you're fully expecting. But when there's a delay, that you begin to have sickness in the heart, which can be anxiety, which can be depression and discouragement. 
You know, I had never been what I've all, I've had moments of being anxious, but I've never had what I call anxiety, but two days of my life. And this happened this year. All of a sudden, wake up one day, it was, I don't, I didn't have a panic attack. Extreme anxiety. I was like, what in the world's going on? Heart racing, all that. And I don't think it was a panic attack. I was breathing okay. So, but my mind was racing, my heart was racing. I went, oh, great. Devil, I've had it. I said, all right. I, went on, I, I know you're going to think I'm psychotic, okay? That's okay. Most preachers, they said John the Baptist was mad and Jesus was mad. It means they was beside themselves. I'm mad too. <laughs> but I went on a three-day fast. The day I said, I'm going on a fast tomorrow. It was on a Sunday morning when I woke up with it. Getting ready to preach and having that. I'm like, I'll get rid of this. Tomorrow, I'll start a fast. I declared it. Told Kristen I was going on a fast. Next day, is about half that when I got up. So that's all right. That was the two days of my anxiety. Well, a three-day fast said so this thing's going to end. You're like, that may not happen for everybody, but I felt like in my spirit that the enemy's going to attack me that way, then I'm going to attack this way. And sometimes I do it in my dance, and sometimes I do it in my praise. Sometimes I do it even when it looks like nothing's going to happen. I still decree it in the face of my enemy and say, I know what my God and Redeemer has spoken. My heavens, hope deferred makes us sick and depressed, discouraged. Delay for the believer many times is translated as waiting on the Lord. I didn't like that. I remember when my dad told me, you just need to wait on God. I, I, I didn't want to cuss him I, but I wanted to say some things to him I don't want to wait as a young man especially all that vision God doing something in your life and you can just feel God just birthing things you're like, I don't want to wait he said son there's just some things you just got to wait on the Lord so I had to learn how to wait upon God that's frustrating in moments See, Isaiah 40 and 29 says he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. In other words, God promises divine enablement, his divine grace, just not saving grace, but grace that keeps me when nobody else can keep me, grace that sustains me when nothing else will sustain me, grace that gives me peace beyond all understanding, a grace that heals my body when the doctor don't have an answer. I'm talking about divine enablement that God promises to us that are weak in moments. See, when we wait on the Lord, he'll renew our strength according to Scripture. He said, but those who wait on the Lord that shall renew their strength. They'll mount, out with, mount up with wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That word wait, though, I don't like it. I know you don't like it. Waiting on the Lord is not a sense of idleness and doing nothing. See, we think, well, I just got to wait. I'll just show up. You got to do more than show up. It's more than just sitting in a seat. But it's actually, that word wait actually means to be twisted and bound with. What do you mean twisted and bound with? We, so we need to be twisted and bound with God until his will, his desire, and his heart becomes ours. So in our waiting is really when we need to be pressing and serving in the kingdom. In our waiting is when we should have a dance. In our waiting is when we should have a decree. In our waiting is when we should have worship and praise. In our waiting is when we should be serving. It involves all those things, ministering unto God in spite of the situation.
situation or circumstance. It involves walking out our salvation and staying in a place of blessing. It doesn't mean to abandon ship. It doesn't mean to jump off. My God, I'm telling you today, people are jumping off for everything. Now's the time to be with God and be in the house of God and to serve God and to worship God and to praise God. Now's the time to serve. Now's the time when people need hope. Now's the time when people need healing. Now's the time when people need peace. I'm not giving up now. No way. No, no how. No. No give up in me. No, I don't care how frustrated I am. I cannot give up now. I've got to lay my life down more than I ever have. I'll go ahead and tell you, yes, this earth is full of hell on earth, but there's still yet a hell that is real to shun and a heaven to gain. There's still yet a God to serve and the devil to kick in the face. There's still yet a word that God has put in your spirit to proclaim at such a time as this. Now's the time to lay down your life. Now's the time to be so bounded and twisted up in God. Now's that time. So, do we have anyone today that you've got to worship and a praise in spite of frustration? That in spite of the pain and the torment and the things that try to attack you, you still have an expectation that God has a resolve to the situation. My heavens, my faith says today that all things are possible to them that believe. My faith says when I praise him that his glory comes down. My faith says that when I lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. My faith says today that I can get my breakthrough, that this thing that's been plaguing me is not going to be here forever, but I'm just waiting on God, but I'm all bound up, twisted up, tangled up in Jesus. I'm so bound up, so twisted up, so tangled up in him, the devil's going to have to just give up. See, Moses had to lay. He, he was on the mountain, and the people was like, man, we're getting impatient. When is he coming down? When is the glory coming down? And he's gone. The people get impatient, hope deferred. They was discouraged. They was discouraged. They was anxious. They talked Aaron in to let us melt some gold and make a golden image. And their, their actions were something that was activated out of this thing called frustration. See, three, I believe it was a couple thousand of them that day died. See, what happens is when we do crazy things, we begin to jump ship when hope is delayed or expectation is delayed that something in us begins to die when you're feeling frustrated you're more alive than you could ever believe there's more life in you the devil wouldn't be frustrating you if there wasn't all this life in you I mean, you got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. There's life on the inside of you, so now's not the time to get impatient and jump ship because hope has been deferred. That's why we got to guard our hearts with all diligence because out of it flows what? The issues of life. The second entry is this, is defeat and failure. Have you ever failed at something? Huh? More times than I can count. Have you ever felt defeated? Felt like everything you do is just something's wrong. At those moments, that's when frustration comes. See, this is the point in time that we really need to resist the enemy. 
See, God has placed inside of us all a divine, implanted sense of purpose which God himself only can satisfy. And because of his sense of purpose, there's this longing inside of humanity's heart to pursue and accomplish these great exploits in the kingdom. But when your pursuit and attempts of accomplishments are met with constant defeat or walls that you keep hitting or what seems to be failure, it opens up a door for what we would call frustration. See, when this time comes in your life, you just got to keep getting back up. You know how many things I've tried at my church that failed? Way more things that I tried that succeeded. I've been there. I'm like, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I mean, there's times that's the way we, us pastors, we do. We'll pray over it. We'll do it. We're like, I'll give it a shot. Especially if we do more than preach. And then just go home. And aren't you thankful you got pastors that just don't preach and sing and go home? They fight all week long for you, all year, 20 years. See, the Bible says, though the righteous fall seven times, they keep getting up. What makes you righteous is not that you lay down. What makes you righteous? You keep going even though defeat and discouragement comes your way. The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver them out of them all, will deliver us out of every affliction. The third one is this, is when security is removed. Man, I love security. I plan for security. I'm a planner. That's what I do. My wife, she's shoots from the hip you like my, my sound effects I thought that's pretty good huh you remember that I got pastor done good it's like a cartoon I watched some Tom and Jerry in my day yo Samity Sam yeah whatever his name is Samity Sam whatever he's I don't know the little red you know the little short guy with the red beard crazy man yeah Frustration enters a life when the things which are secure are removed and uncertainties at hand. Nothing is more frustrating to me than that one. That one hits home when those moments come for me. The devil knows if I can just remove the security. See, in other words, when that which you depend upon in life becomes uncertain, it begins to take control of your mind. This can be a job. It can be money. Finances, the spouse, a parent, or a friend. In this past few months, I have seen more things happen in the home than I ever have. Pastoral homes. Pastoral marriages. Homes of people in the ministry. Homes of the most dedicated people in the house of God. Uncertainty comes. Insecurity hits. See, when Saul disobeyed God and was confronted by the prophet Samuel, he began to try to wiggle his way out of all of it. He began to hear words such as, your kingdom has been torn from you. Insecurity hit him really big. He's like, I'll, I'll bring David closer. This may be the guy that God's raising up that is a God after his own heart. And, and this must be him. And then he would hear chants that you're only killing thousands, Saul, but David, his ten thousands, and insecurity began to continue to grow even greater. Frustration had hit, and he began to try to do all the right things when all of the security had been 
ripped out. He even admitted he messed up and asked the elders and Samuel to honor him. Frustration will cause you to respond in a negative way, especially when security's been ripped. Negativity will roll out of you when security has been ripped. The last one today is this. Attempting to do things that only God can do. Trying to do things in your own strength that only God can do. I don't know about you, but I've been there. I try to make it happen. I'm a fixer, somewhat. I like to fix things really quick. I don't know about you guys. Have you ever tried to fix something for your spouse? They're like, I don't want you to fix it. I just want you to listen. It's like a come-to-Jesus moment for us guys. We got to hear it at least 10 times a year, once a month, 12, 12 times a year. Okay, you just want, I'll fix it. I'll get that. No, nope, I don't want you to fix a thing. I just want you to listen. Sometimes that's what women do. They give us that come-to-Jesus moment, and it, it is what it is. But this is a wide-open door for frustration. Why? Because there are things that God has given us grace to do, to accomplish and do. A divine enablement but many times what we do is we get outside of the grace level that God's given us and when we do it is so frustrating because nothing goes right outside of the grace level I started this I, I prayer journal from time to time and this year in my prayer journal I wrote down the five most important things for me and at the top of it is to always know my placement. To always know my grace level. To know and never question. I'm like, God, every day when I pray, I ask God, let me know my placement and my grace level. Because I've been outside of it before, and it's not fun. Then when God reels you back in, you're like, wow, that was very crazy and frustrating. But when we stay within our grace level... We bloom while we are there. See, but when you step out of your grace level and placement and embark on God's assignment or any assignment or any project in your life without God's grace in that area, you open up a door for frustration in your life. Jesus said things like this. He would say, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So i got to remind myself that if I'm operating in a place that... Seems like there's no blessing and nothing is taking place. Maybe I'm outside of the divine enablement of God. Let me give you an example. If I try to sing right now, you're like, Lord, have mercy. Let's get out of here. Help us, Jesus, is what you would say. But Zechariah 4 and 6 says, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. But we are doing our might and our power when we're outside of his grace level. We're putting our hands to it and trying to make something happen. In other words, what we do is we continue to give more birth to things in the flesh. What I birth in the flesh, I have to maintain in the flesh. But what God births in the Spirit, God Himself maintains. I got enough flesh to deal with already on my own that I don't need to birth any more of it. Anybody with me on that one today? 
See, God's given us this grace level, and the very moment we step outside of it, it's an entry door or a way or a gate into frustration. This means that God, when grace level, and I'm saying that means that God's given us empowerment through his spirit upon our lives to function in a purpose that he's ordained for our lives. So you can only take on a project in your life that God has really called you to. And when you do that, you're good. But the very moment you begin to step outside of that, it's possible that it will wipe you out emotionally, physically. It will deplete you. See, when you are able to function in a call and feel fulfillment, then you know you're in God's grace level. Even when there are times of frustration in my life, when I'm in my grace level, I still have that inner feeling and peace of the Spirit. I am where I'm supposed to be. See, the devil is always working on to get you out of placement. We are enticed by so many things in this earth and world that will try to get us out of our placement. We will believe the news before we believe the Word of God. We will believe someone that has no know-how about something before we believe someone that has a know-how because it looks enticing. And many times we don't realize, but before you have an action, we know that you had to think about it first. So the devil always plants these little things to get our imagination on something, our mind upon something. And next thing you know, we are being lured by our own lust of the flesh. And then we're outside of our divine enablement. See, frustration, it kills ministry and marriages and jobs. If you stay, if you stay within your grace level, we know that blessing is there, but we need to depend upon God's grace. The thing is that's uncomfortable for our flesh in the grace level of God is that we step out into an area or place where it takes faith. I have learned that it may be hard on my flesh, but it's a lot easier in the long run just to step out and walk on the water. Because the very moment I start playing it safe is the very moment that everything goes wrong. See, faith is risk. And many times it don't feel comfortable to our flesh and we just want to feed our flesh when we're tired, we're depleted, we've had a bad day, we've had a bad week, we've had a bad season. So besides feeding the spirit, we begin to feed the flesh and we're enticed to do it. Next thing you know, we're outside of our grace level. See, you take on pressure that was never meant for you to take on. You take on feelings that was never meant for you to take on. I'm reminded of in the time of Egypt, the children of Israel, while they was under bondage there, they were frustrated because they were forced into a dilemma. Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people, of their offices, to no longer to provide straw for the people to make bricks. It was already hard enough. They was out there just in the mud and adding straw. Like, how are we going to make bricks without the straw? And it made it difficult, and it made a heavier load. They're like, we can't even get done what we're supposed to get done now. How are we supposed to do it when you take away our straw? The Hebrew foreman came to the Pharaoh and cried, Why do you deal with your servants like this? He said this, No straw is given to the children of Israel, and they still expect them to make bricks. He cried out, 
because he said you're taking everything out from under us sometimes we're taking on pressure we shouldn't take on God is trying to tell us today that is my burden to take I bore your sin on the cross I took on all sickness and it's by my stripes that you're healed quit trying to take care of yourself and let me take your shame your guilt your sin your sickness and your issues and your problems they'll come to the music today frustration enters your life when you hunger for success and advancement in your life constantly is met with deprivation or the lack of fulfillment See, mankind is created to be fulfilled and desire fulfillment. Only God can bring true fulfillment into our life. Only God. When we come to the place of realizing that we can trade our ashes for beauty, that we can begin to trade heaviness and get the freedom of God and put on the garment of praise, that we can allow Him to take it because this life in Christ, yes, there's struggles, yes, there's trials, yes, there's frustration, but there's some things that we carry that we should never be carrying, and that is where a lot of our frustration comes from. Today, I believe it's time to lay them down at the feet of Jesus. Lay them at the altar, not picking them back up. I'm telling you, there's things in this season I've had to lay down I've had to lay down all kinds of things and all kinds of feelings just saying, God, I know that you've got this. There's even been things I could not text back because there's nothing that I could text back and say. There's phone calls that I could not handle when they came. I'm like, God, you've got to take this and deal with it on your time things that I would used to just fix that I said you know I can't play the game of frustration no longer but I must give it to God why because my mental health depends upon it my physical health depends upon it my goodness for my family and my church depend upon me laying it down and not carrying it myself I'm not preaching anything to you that I haven't lived today. I'm not preaching anything to you that I've not been frustrated with today. I've had these things so many times in my life, but it's time for us to discern them, give them over to God, and walk out our freedom. Does anybody want freedom today? Anybody want to lay down frustration today? Let's stand to our feet. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's going on. I don't know the pain you've been through, the trials you've been through, the sickness you face, the punishment you've been through. Listen, I know there's things like mental anguish. I know that anxiety is real. I know that depression is real. I know that there's times that we don't have, we don't know what to do. So we take on a lot ourselves and it becomes frustrating. But I'm going to ask you today, will you come and give it all to him? Will you give it all to him? If every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to do this first before I minister to the people of God. If you're here today and you're lost and you don't know Jesus, and you say, listen, this spoke to me today. I, I'm frustrated. I know God's calling me home. I know that he's calling me to come to the place of prayer to know him more and deeper. If that's you today and you're like, i got to return back to the presence of God. Or you might say, I've never been saved before, but I feel God calling me to be saved. If that's you today, will you raise your hand? Say, it's me. Yes, bless that hand. You put it right back down. The other hands, just up and down. 
Any other hands? Just up, down. I'm not going to embarrass you. I promise. Yes, bless that hand. Hands going up. Across the building today, hands going up. Church, be praying. This is what I want to do today. You raise your hands signifying that you know that God's calling you, and I believe you want God to do this work in your life. This is what I want to do. I just want to invite you to come on down. I want to invite you like it's hard steps. Just come on down. I promise you there's so much freedom in it, you won't regret it. God wants to do a work in your life. Let him have it. Let him have it. Here comes one now. We can have some people to help us pray. Anybody else today? Anybody else? I want to take a moment here. All right, this is what I want to do now. If you're here and you're a child of God and you're like, you know, I've been frustrated. I want, I, I've received from this message, but I believe God wants to do spiritually something in me today to give me relief emotionally, relief physically, relief spiritually in every way. I just know that God's speaking, and today is my day of release. God spoke. I want you to come and just stand across here, and I'm going to pray with you today. I just want to pray with you today. I know God's wanting to fill these altars today. Thank you for coming. Thank you for obeying the Lord today. Let him do his work in you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you still need to come down for something else today, I didn't call out healing in your body. Maybe you needed to come when I was making an altar for salvation or rededication to God. Didn't come. Let's worship today as we begin to minister in these altars.